There was no like place where I felt like I fit. And I knew I was very lucky to know at a young age that it would get better. I knew that the adult world was very different. And I think because I was the only child, I knew a lot of adults. So I I knew, oh, people get funnier. They get cooler. I don't have to. This is not the end of my life. And so I treated high school as just like a thing to literally survive. And then when I got out, I thought, okay, now I'm going to start making friends. And I did. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Almost 30 started as a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. But then we realized life is full of transitions. So we expanded our mission. We are an intuition-led, wellness-focused lifestyle podcast that promises to deliver authentic conversations, diverse points of view, and insights rooted in optimism, growth, and intention. The Almost 30 Nation community is a group of purposeful dreamers who are smart, passionate, and always seeking the full potential in every aspect of their lives. At Almost 30, we're making magic together. We dream it, and then we do it. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 podcast. Here we go. Welcome to Almost 30 podcast. We started during our transition from our 20s to our 30s. And now it's so much more than that. Mm -hmm. So we have events, retreats, merch coming up. Going to be doing all the things in 2020. And we are so grateful you're here. It truly means the world. And we're hopeful we can inspire you, entertain you, make you laugh. Uh, this podcast we have today is really exciting. I feel really special that we were mm-hmm. able to connect with Mari. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah, we've admired her on Instagram for a long time. She and was really so found cool. so many just inspiration during times. Like I, I, I remember like following her during times where I was like kind of very very in need of those words, you know, things articulated in a way that like soothed me. And she does that. And she was just so fun to hang out with. We actually recorded this in New York um, when we were staying downtown at Sonder and we just had like a cozy convo and just laughed a lot. And what's so cool about her, you know, during our interview that, that really struck me, there's, there's a lot that's very cool about her and her warmth and her general vibe was incredible. But I love when I meet artists that are so successful and have this huge impact and they truly are just doing something they are called to do. Yes. There is nothing beyond that. She has always done this sort of art. She has always been someone that expressed herself in this way, someone that was super thoughtful, someone that was super descriptive with her emotions and feelings and has channeled it in this beautiful way on Instagram. And then just because she's doing what she loves has millions of followers. Yes. It's the coolest. Like there's nothing beyond that. There's no trappings of ego, of desire for approval, of money and everything like that. It's like- I just do this because it's me. Mm-hmm. Like what? Yeah. It, it's it's a bit really um, shining example of that magnetism that happens when you're just like living your purpose and in flow. So yeah, can't wait to get into the interview. Uh, but first I, yeah, I came across this Instagram post from our friend Bree Melanson. I wanted to share because it just struck me, especially at the beginning of the year, you know, I, I do feel like I'm kind of seeking more inspiration than other times, but this one I, I wanted to read and discuss a little bit. Um, she 
Brie is a, a spiritual teacher. She's a channel. She uh, leads incredible online and in-person breathwork sessions to you know just unblock parts of your uh, body and soul. Um, so she she says last night in class we explored our blocks as invitations to know our soul or our most transparent self more deeply. The areas in life we struggle um, are merely the areas we're forgetting the fullness of who we are and the incredible power we hold through the simplicity in our being. The places in life that are going well are the places we feel the most at ease expressing ourselves. But what are the things you're substituting for the divine? And what would happen if you allowed yourself to show up transparently in these places? Too often, we wrestle with the conditions in attempts to realize our truth, but the ego is insatiable. Nothing will ever suffice. All we ever have to do is access our unconditional self to arrive back to our truth so that we can see clearly. What would it look like to be without need? Could it be that your essence is the most powerful thing to offer the world? Could it be possible that you can be loved and carried without your needs or agenda? Yesterday in meditation, my soul showed me that it was my essence that people feel that connects me to others. It's not the brie that cracks jokes or offers advice. It's the purity of my essence, the power of my soul, and all I have to do is allow. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, that really struck me, especially like it's her and our essence, you know, that connects her to people, that makes an impact, that she offers the world. It's not I don't know. I can't even describe what the other things are, but it was just so, I, yeah. I love the part. The areas in life where we struggle are merely areas we're forgetting the fullness of who we are and the incredible power we hold through the simplicity of our being. So it's the doing mm. versus being. And then I really love the places in life that are going well are the places we feel the most at ease expressing ourselves, which is the very, very truth. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I definitely like have an, have, an inability to express myself in areas in my life that are challenging mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or express Same. myself with a desire to express myself yeah. too. You know, it's that the desire and then the doing, but mm-hmm. I also loved the part about um, too often we wrestle in the conditions and attempts to realize our truth. And I think that I expressly relate to that when I was mm-hmm. working in the corporate world where I was wrestling so much with working the nine to five jobs uh, doing my side hustles, you know, for so long and just trying to realize who I was in those conditions that weren't suitable for me, that weren't in alignment for me, that were in alignment with the former self or, you know, a self that I didn't even relate to or really align with in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I think there's just a lot of beauty within within what she said and a lot of truth. And it really came at a perfect time, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, love you, Brie. You can follow um, Brie at at B-R-E-E underscore M-E-L-A-N-S-O-N. Brie Melanson. Oh man, we are in our new space and it's just like an interesting thing. Like to, I I found myself like, (laughs) when you go to bed in a new space, it's like, it's really awesome and I'm enjoying it but it's very disorienting too. Like I almost feel like, it almost feels like a jet lag with my body where it's like, where am I? Yes. So it's, we you need know. to clean the space. I yeah, I've, I've cleansed it, but yeah, yeah, I think formally maybe with a And like intention, healer. Mm-hmm. like with a healer or us. Mm-hmm. And even in the studio, you know, yeah. I think our other studio was like a beautiful container in this will be, but I think doing something 
energetically about mm-hmm. it. Totally. The girl that was here before was so dope, but still. So dope. Yeah. But I'm sure wild times. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> sure she was like, there was around. a, there was a YouTuber that lived here before. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows? You never she know. She was a completely normal YouTuber. We're like yeah, acting like she wasn't, totally, but it was like totally completely normal. normal. <laughs> totally normal. But I, I actually discovered, um, so my neighbors, I, I don't want to talk shit about any neighbors. I have a wonderful friend that lives above who I know. Um, but around the corner, I don't really know them very well, but I, I discovered, we discovered that they have a, they've built a gym in the hallway. Did you see that? No. Oh, really? What kind of gym? Oh, it's a, it's like a a gym with mirrors, like in their hallway, like not allowed to do that. And like landlord has, has threatened to be like, Hey, My friend upstairs was like, yeah, the landlords threatened to shut it down, but they just, there's literally a, oh, one of the clear cabinetry of all their gym sneakers. And then in the hallway, there's mats and weights and med balls and like a full on like jazzercise mirror and steps. It's like, it's the craziest, just like the, hey, the, the balls to just, just be, be like, norm. just be fucking normal. Dude, the balls, when people yeah. do shit like that, it honestly activates a part of my brain that doesn't get often used of completely being mind blown. Yeah. Tell me more. Mind blown. Tell me more. I mean, they're both um, characters. I was having a, a, a conversation with um, my friend Meredith was visiting. You just start using the shit. And she, I, I will. It's public gym. It's public. It's in my public hallway. Public. <laughs> anyway, I was having a conversation with her as she was leaving and the man that lives there he literally interjected with his handshake. He goes, hi, I'm, I'm your neighbor. And he did this because I've seen him two separate times threaten my landlord and be fucking inappropriate with him. And he's like, hi, I'm your neighbor. You know, I want to, kind of like subtext was like, I want to show you I'm friendly. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Hello. And I was like, I was like, hi, how are you? <sighs> hey man. Is the equipment nice? Be normal. Just be normal. Um, steal it all. I don't know. I mean, it's public, but it's like, it's like, it has racks. There's like, sh- it's crazy, but it's a hallway. This is not a room. <laughs> it's the, f- it's the funniest thing, but apparently they're moving. Who knows? Anyway, it's been normal. I want new see characters, that. I want to see new that town. Apartment. It's yeah. It's, it's, it's nice. I want to see it without their shit in it. Yes. At the back unit. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to see it without their shit in it. Cause it's like a little whack. I've seen it. I just haven't seen it without their Is shit. Is it as in it. nice as this one? No. I, I, I like the light that yes. pours through. Is is they don't have light right there that way, right? It's not as much. Wow. Yeah. So it's cheaper, probably. To be honest. Yeah. I mean, it's it's probably really really nice. Like when all their shit is out, but yeah, it's just interesting. Like I'm like, oh, like there are new people I'm going to see every day. And I like, know, too, totally. Which is fine. God, I can't wait to have a house that's like, totally no one. <laughs> Dude, and I grew up with a dad who had, like, he's like, uh, yeah, give me the tallest eight trees to like line my yard. Don't want to know that I have neighbors. Like, <laughs> I used to drive around Beverly Hills and Weehaw and be like, how do you guys have these mansions and you hide them behind trees? Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, I don't even I want my mansion behind trees anywhere near anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I want it to be very private on Mars. Mm-hmm. I know. So prive. I know. It is I know. an, it's a generalized anxiety that I have living in my apartment where on both sides I can freaking see yeah. their buildings of people. 
And just like, you know, I hear people like footsteps yeah. upstairs, which is fine. I've literally lived in an apartment for so long, but it's just an interesting thing. Like not to have, like not to think about people no. above, below size, you know, whatever, Freedom. whatever. Just can't have like rip roaring sex, you know, Freedom. I'm waiting for that. You've got to bang on his wall. <laughs> Dude. Let him know what's up. <laughs> Holy moly. All right. Today's episode with Mari Andrew. Just such a talent, such a light. Such a light. And uh, by Mari Andrew is her Instagram. And uh, she really became Instagram famous, you know? Yeah. And, and, and one, of th- one of those that I'm like, yes, I'm so glad that you are, your work, your art, your words, your vulnerability is, is helping so many people. And she's also an author and has a book, Am I There Yet? The loop-de-loop, ziggity-zagging journey to adulthood, which I love. And uh, just great for anyone just maybe going through it or that time in their life where they're like, oh, fuck, I'm an adult, huh? Yeah, honestly, you guys should just honest, just peruse her Instagram. Mm-hmm. There is so much relatability and humanness and beauty and everything that she posts. And especially because we both lived in New York City, she has some really awesome things um, about New York City and about living in the city that I really, really enjoy. And she was a true delight in person. And I wish her the most success and everything the best in the world. I support her eternally. And I'm really excited about this conversation about creativity, about her process, about growing up as a creative, about living as a creative in New York, Mm. a little bit about dating and love and about sharing herself so publicly and vulnerably online in this space is just, you know, an interesting, an interesting thing that a lot of us grapple with today. Truly, uh, by mariandrew.com and then at by mariandrew on Instagram. But enjoy this one. We appreciate and love you and are always here for you. Follow us on Instagram at almost30podcast. I'm at Lindsay Simsick and Krista is at it's Krista. And um, you can listen to us obviously wherever you're listening now, but we are on YouTube as well. So just in case you're at work and want to listen on there, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. And we just relaunched your podcast pro. Yahoo. We're so proud of it and and just are so confident that if you want to start, grow, or monetize your podcast, you will be able to do so confidently and in a way that fucking shines uh, by using our resources, courses, downloadables, all the things. Yeah. We're really excited to support you guys and especially the women of our community and elevating and raising your voices. Podcasting has been the greatest gift to just be ourselves completely on the microphone and have these sweet vibrations hit you in your ears. Mm-hmm. We just want to help you guys, you know, create a life that you love expressing yourself. So yourpodcastpro.com has everything you need. We created this in partnership with Teachable, who's been a joy and a delight. So if you're interested in creating courses, I highly recommend Teachable. They have been amazing. Yeah. So enjoy this episode um, and share with your friends if you think it'll resonate and we will see you on the other side. Bye. Wait, so you went to Greece and what would you like for your solo travel? Like, what do you do? Like, do you like to just be and like not plan or is it more of a planned exploration? I'm always so curious when people tell me they travel alone too. Yeah, I am. Um, and do you and, resist it at any point? Yeah. yeah. Am I resistant? Sometimes I'm resistant a, to it, even though I want to do it so bad. No. Okay. Because it's so easy for me. Okay. It's not my shadow. It's okay. not, it's it's like the easiest, it's like brushing my teeth, Love being that. by myself. Yes. That yeah. was the easy 
that was the easy part of my life. The hard part is the people part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I do I do plan a bit, but really I just kind of like getting lost. Yeah. Walking around. It's so nice. Meeting people. I like meeting people on trips. And I don't really you don't really do that when you're with people. Yeah, and I think when true. you're alone on trips, like people are more apt to be like, hi. Yeah. How are you? Yeah. How are you doing? You know what I mean? Rather than yeah, if yeah. you're in a couple, they're like, oh, that's a couple. Right. So totally. Totally. Together, yeah. You know? Although Greece was funny. I um I haven't experienced this much in other countries, but they did not know what to do with a solo traveler. And I don't want to like, <laughs> of I don't want to totally stereotype them, but I haven't really ever had that experience where they just like, they put, they would put me like in the back of like the, like the bathroom or the kitchen. <laughs> like, where do we even You're see like, you? I don't want to wash dishes. Yeah, really, yeah, I'm not here to work actually. Um, and I would like point to a table in an empty restaurant, right. you know, and say, can I sit here? And they'd say, oh, you're by yourself. No, over there. What? And that was weird to me. And it, I feel like in other places where I've traveled, maybe there's a sort of admiration or there's a sort of, oh, that's unusual. Rom- yeah, exactly. But in Greece, it was just like, no, we don't go away. Like what, what is wrong with you? And I think a lot of people feel that like that's why they don't go by themselves because mm-hmm. they think, oh, people will be looking at me. And I've never thought that. I've always thought people don't care <laughs> what yeah. other people are doing. But I actually did totally. feel like, oh, they think that something is wrong with me because they made me feel that way. It was weird. You're like, oh. It is interesting, <laughs> the evolution. You know, I, I wonder if, I always wonder if it's me changing or the times, you know, because when I was younger, it was like, I wouldn't go anywhere without my friends. You know, when you're very young, young, you're talking to them all the time, you're with them all the time and you would be like, oh, someone's alone. You'd be like, oh, but now I'm like, wow, they're cool. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of like, I don't know if I've changed or people have changed in our perception <laughs> of what's cool or not, but now it's like, a cool thing to travel alone, to be alone, to have dinner Mm -hmm. alone is like an admirable thing. God, I could have used that when I was a teenager and I had not a friend, (laughs) no friends. (laughs) I could have used that coolness. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like I, I feel like I, that's how I, that's what I learned to do earlier and now I'm learning how to be with people mm-hmm. and now being by yourself is cool so <laughs> you're like oh. <laughs> yeah hey, <laughs> yeah. hey. <laughs> I was doing this <laughs> I want to do go back I want to go back yeah, yeah. where did you right. grow up and and you said you didn't have friends which could be true or not but what was that experience like <laughs> yeah I grew up um in Seattle I grew up with a just mom single mom mm-hmm. and me very Gilmore girls uh, although she was older. So we didn't have such a like fun, close, friendly (laughs) relationship, but a very, very intimate one and Mm -hmm. um, sort of more like roommates than mom and daughter in a lot of ways. And, you know, I say a lot that I didn't have friends and I feel like people who (laughs) listen to me say that, who I actually know might be offended by that. But (laughs) I I certainly, they, they sort of came in and out of my life. I would say in high school, I really didn't. And uh, I had my mom and I had books and movies and comedy and music and things that I really attached to. Mm. But I just didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. And I think my experience would be a little different now. We have the internet. We have a lot of representation, thank God. But at the time, I was going to high school in the early 2000s when it was like cheerleaders and goths and 
like punks who I, I would have loved to be a part of, but I yeah. wasn't like punky enough. I wasn't gothy enough. I certainly was not popular enough. There was no like place where I felt like I fit. Mm. And I knew I was very lucky to know at a young age that it would get better. I knew that the adult world was very different. And I think because I was the only child, I knew a lot of adults. So I, I knew, oh, people get funnier. They get cooler. I don't have to, this is not the end of my life. Mm. And so I treated high school as just like a thing to literally survive. And then when I got out, I thought, okay, now I'm going to start making friends. And I did. That's some pretty Um, profound like foresight, like for your life. I feel like kids think this is the end. This is it. That's, this is how life is going to be. That's how I felt. You know, well, they like, treat it that way. I mean, that's, that's like really, that is really profound that you had that, that ability to see and know that to get through. Cause that like, you know what I mean? I just, because you can kind of live up here and kind of be the observer rather than be caught in the chaos of these extremes and not enoughs and the clicks and all of this. So, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I wouldn't blame anyone who felt that way. I yeah, think we're, we're told sure. like you you know, popularity is everything. Or if you're not popular, maybe you're really smart or, you know, good at sports or something. And I didn't really have that stuff either. (laughs) So um, I think it was just a lucky, I've had a lot of things in my life that are just very lucky. Like I didn't work. I don't think that I worked for them at all. Like, like feeling comfortable being alone. I didn't have to work at that. That's not something I've ever had to really, I've, I've always felt very comfortable being alone. Yeah. But um, I've had to work at, like I said, you know, um, building relationships and sustaining friendships and that kind of thing and opening myself up to other people, um, has been the harder challenge, but yeah, I was very lucky to have that foresight and to know there was a whole outside world and other cities waiting for me. I also didn't really feel like I fit in in Seattle. So, I uh, I was lucky to watch a lot of TV and know that New York <laughs> existed and know that, you know, people were different in other places and I, I'd find them and yeah. I did. Yeah. It's absolutely. so funny too that, you know, you don't, you work on not being comfortable with relationships and expressing yourself and being vulnerable, but your work is that and your work makes people feel very connected to you. You know, I mean, Thank you. whenever I see your like little writing, I'm like, I, I feel a person. It's very, very, it's very intricate and it's very, I just, I do want to get into this more with it, with your story too, but there's something about your work that like, I'm like, how do you manage to capture these things that are fleeting for other people? Like there's a presence and an observation of things that you capture that touch people that manage to fly by most people. Oh, that's so nice. It's true. Thank you. It's true. I really appreciate that. What do you think? Where do you think that comes from? Is it come from being an only child with a single mom who had to really use her imagination? Um, do you think it's innate? Do you think it's fostered? You know, I think that for anyone, whatever comes naturally to you, you assume everyone else thinks that way. You assume that everyone else's brain does that. And I think I've just realize that not everyone quite grabs on Mm. to those moments. And maybe that is something that I have that's special. I don't know. I'm still learning, you know, what, what I'm actually good at. And I'm still trying to figure out what is it that's connecting with people. Um, But as far as 
being constantly emotionally reflective, that's probably from a youth of solitude and writing a lot as a kid and journaling a lot. I was such an expert on my own soul by the time I was in college. Um, I think I, I had such a kind of reverse way of um, growing in that I was very spiritually grounded, very in touch with myself, um, very confident younger. And then as I got older, that's when I sort of started letting loose and learn doing the things that people did when they were younger. So I was like 27 at the club and learning how to like kiss someone and it doesn't have to mean everything. I was, you know, I was learning like how to be carefree and put on makeup. All of that stuff came much later for yeah. me, but I did the stuff at the beginning that I think a lot of people don't do until they're in their thirties, which is the sort of reflection and who am mm. I really? And I think almost kind of excessively or obsessively tried to figure that out very young because I thought, Wow, I really feel different from other people. What is that? Yeah. I'm obsessed with that. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I <love> thanks. That. <laughs> being nice. a late bloomer, because I, I feel like I'm a late bloomer in some in some respects. But like to be able to express through these late bloomings kind of gives like all those that maybe in your your mind developed early on kind of a, a chance to reflect on those times. Cause I f- almost feel like late bloomers have this beautiful advantage because they are older and they do kind of have this ability to be a bit more present and think through the moment and really feel through the moment when we're younger and things are happening, like whether it's sex or kissing a boy, whatever it is, like we just do it and we're not Mm -hmm. as present to it. So why I love your work and, and when I feel like some of your pieces are these reflections on kind of these late bloomings, it gives everyone kind of a moment to be like, oh my God, like... I I did feel that and I didn't even know that I felt it at that time and it was Mm. so special or it was so vulnerable or it was so sad or scary or lonely, whatever it is. So I just, I think that's so, so beautiful. I'd love to know like, when did you start? So you said you wrote, you were journaling as a kid. When did you start sharing Mm. those like inner thoughts and and kind of turn them into a a creative piece? I love that you asked that in that way, I often get a lot of questions about Instagram. And that to me feels so different from kind of the rest of my story. And it also, I don't consider that the beginning of when I right. started sharing. It's right. when people started reading what <laughs> I was sharing before that. I have always really loved writing, but I never thought I had a talent for it. And that's not like a false modesty. I just didn't think I was particularly good at it, but I really liked it. So I was always journaling. I wrote a lot of letters. I would write like fake little magazines when I was a kid and um, lots of little books and stories, always finding ways to communicate, writing poetry and all that stuff. But even in college, when I was sort of figuring out what I wanted to do, I didn't think that I was good at it. I knew I was a pretty good communicator, but I didn't think I had, I knew people who were writers and they were like, totally different species (laughs) than I was. They were, you know, a lot of them were writing for like these, the websites that were popular at the time, Refinery29, Mm -hmm. Hello Giggles, like these sort of women, like lifestyle websites that I totally idolized, but I didn't really know 
I, even at 23, I felt too old to start like writing yeah. for them because everyone had started mm-hmm. so much younger. And I just didn't really know, again, like where my place would be. If I wanted to be a writer, what what kind? Like what was I going to write about? Mm-hmm. I just found, I was just reading some of my high school journals. I was thinking really, about that. God, if you really could find those, were they amazing? Some of the, I mean, a lot of it was totally, I wouldn't even, I mean, just want to like burn them. But a lot of them, a lot of it was quite insightful of like my own self. And one thing that I read that I, I, I can't remember where I was, you know, what state of mind I was in at this time. But I said, I think I want to be a writer, but in order to write, you have to do a lot of living first. And I haven't done that yet. And so I want what? to like have experiences. Like I've never fallen in love. I've never broken up. I've never lost anyone. I've never, you know, like I, I need to be lonely or I need to be depressed. I need to be happy. Like I need to have this range in order to right. have things to write about. And I think, I don't remember thinking that, but I guess I was aware that I needed to kind of cook first. <laughs> I was a little happy. Like you needed to earn it almost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, or yeah. Just, yeah. Experience. And li- just I know, know exactly what, what to, yeah. yeah. Like have things that thinking I can of you in. as like a little girl, like looking out the window on the bus, thinking about that kind of stuff. And everyone else is like, I love my trapper keeper. You know, <laughs> just like, mm-hmm. thinking about the most basic things. You're like, well, when I hit my thirties, I'm going to realize the richest of life and be able to express it on watercolor. It's like the craziest thing. <laughs> totally. Was I mean, your I mom can... like, what the hell? Was your mom like, she's like, 13 going on 30. Oh my gosh. I always ask my mom, like, what did you think of me? And she says, I just didn't, I didn't know anyone else. Oh, so I yeah. thought, you know, oh. you were great, but like, I didn't, I thought it's amazing. But I, I mean, I say that now because I'm not that way anymore. You know, I think there was something quite, I mean, uh, very mature, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, I believe in past lives and that's so, yes, so I was going to say, I, was yeah, so I definitely, yeah. I think just, you know, old soul and came out of the womb knowing stuff. I mean, my mom says that when I was little at church, I would have these like very philosophical, theological discussions with my Sunday school teacher. And I I feel like, oh, I must have been just like a little old monk in my past life or something. (laughs) But then since then, I've, you know, I've gotten a lot more lighthearted. So now that that girl who I'm talking about I don't quite have, I don't have those right revelations anymore. So <laughs> she was, she had all the insight and now I'm, now I'm the one on the bus, just like, you know, yeah. up in the clouds Whatever. listening to Taylor Swift. So, um, yeah, I, uh, so I, I always liked writing. I did not identify as really a creative person at all. I, I think as an only child, or this is at least my narrative of it, I felt a lot of responsibility to be like a very, reliable person with my, mm. you know, my life, my finances. I I wasn't, I didn't allow myself to get into trouble. I was a very good, you know, self-parenting person. And I didn't, I didn't want my mom to worry about me. I didn't want to make a lot of mistakes. Mm. So when I was deciding what I wanted to do with my life, writer was not acceptable. And I thought, well, okay, maybe I can write if I'm like a lawyer or something, or I can be a professor. I can do something that's, you know, communicative, but I can't be a writer. I can't, it wasn't an option for me. And so I just didn't think of myself that way. And uh, then after college, I didn't know what I, I didn't know anything about really where I was going and I was okay with that. I thought I can get 
you know, a job to pay my rent, that's responsible. But I'll kind of decide what I wanted to do later. Mm-hmm. And I moved to South America, to Chile, and um, to teach English. And that just seemed like the thing to do. And it was kind of in the spirit of having more life experience. I thought, mm. I haven't I haven't really lived yet. I kind of want to go live. And I'd studied abroad in Italy in college. That was a really bad experience. I was very depressed. I was very homesick. Um, I was so awkward and I just didn't, I really, it was not like a fun study abroad experience. So when I moved to Chile, I kind of assumed, oh, this is going to be really hard. Like I'm going to be lonely, but I know what to expect. And I'm just going to have this year of loneliness, but I'm going to write about it. And I, I just like started a blog and that is when I started sharing my, like, what was going on with me. And I saw other people writing blogs mm. from, you know, living abroad, but I felt like mine was really different. I really liked uh, putting together sort of observations with general sentiments. And I would think of something, I remember like walking around Santiago and I would think of something. And just like kind of a random thought or observation. And then I'd see something else and I would connect them. And I realized I had this kind of gift in my brain for being able to put things together and um, think about things in sort of a different way. And I realized I really liked metaphors and I liked um, talking about my emotional experience. I wasn't just saying what I did, but I was saying how I felt about it and kind of what it meant in the grand scheme of my life and in life in general. And, and I just loved doing that. And I started getting a lot of really great feedback. Mm -hmm. And again, like didn't take a writing class in college. um, So I just didn't, I didn't think that was going to be my story. But people started telling me you're a really good writer. And I never really felt like I was that good at anything in particular. I didn't have like that one passion. And so when people started telling me that it was like learning a totally new side of myself. And I think that's probably when I realized I did have something. I did have a talent, but how how was I going to use it? Um, So the sharing became important to me because I was able to connect with people and I liked getting feedback. You know, anyone would like that. And I liked when people would say, I look forward to what you're writing. And I liked that people were thinking about things differently because of what I was writing. So that became something I definitely wanted to keep doing. I just sort of didn't know how after that. Yeah. And then from there, so you were teaching in Santiago and then did you come back to New York or did you go back to Seattle? Oh my gosh, or what was- New York was not even a twinkle in my eye. So I grew up in Seattle, I went to school yeah. in uh, Chicago, which to me was sort of like inching DePaul? toward New York. No, it was a really small school. Yeah, yeah. No one's ever heard of it. And it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. Love it. Shout out to North Park University. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, so I left uh, and then I came back to Chicago. Mm-hmm. I was a barista for a really long time and I was still blogging and I really loved blogging. And I had a small following, but they were like into it. And that made me feel so good. And this whole time, you know, I'm kind of inching toward my mid 20s and I just kept feeling like, all right, I'm getting farther and farther away from like my ability to be a creative person because they're all so young. 
And I just felt like I'm getting ancient over here. I'm 25 and I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Um, And how can I, you know, I kind of want to be a writer. I'm liking this writing thing, but what would I write about? Like, what am I going to, like, I thought, well, I like music. I could be a music writer or I, you know, I could be a journalist or something. Mm -hmm. And just nothing was really making sense. And so funny because I was writing about myself and that was the thing I was really good at. But I thought, well, I'm not like interesting enough (laughs) to write about myself full time. Like who's going to want to read that? I still wonder, but. Let um, us decide that. (laughs) (laughs) So as a barista too, like you were just probably observing so much. Oh my gosh. It interactions and best people. job for so cool. any creative person or yes. anyone. You just the service industry is so like abundant. Oh with, my gosh, uh, inspiration abundant, I agree. abundant. I I credit so much to that job and just yeah, building that observant muscle. Yeah, that was really important. Yes, and also just like learning how to be a good person. To like, yes. like the service to and food industry. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna get yeah. all walks of all not all walks of life, just different personalities that could be quite challenging to deal with. And you just, you know, you build compassion in a weird way. Oh yeah, for you know? sure, for sure, empathy, mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah, yeah. When for you sure. were, when you were in that, were you recognizing that, or were you having a hard time? Like as a barista, were you wanting to be somewhere else, or were you? were you able to be present and recognize the beauty of the observations that you were cataloging? I did find beauty in it. I certainly, I think I've always been good at appreciating things in my life and I appreciated that, but it doesn't mean I wanted to be doing it. I mean, I, I appreciated the things it did give me even in real time. I really did. I was, I think it was around 25. I sort of thought like, well, okay, a lot of my friends are starting office jobs and a lot of my friends were just starting to sort of get this types of jobs they wanted. You know, like I had a friend who became a teacher and I felt like, okay, people are kind of becoming actual people around me (laughs) and I'm blogging on whatever blog spot and, um, and being a barista and mm-hmm. not really making any money and feeling very scarce all the time. And meanwhile, the clock is ticking toward whatever I thought, you know? And um, so, yeah, I definitely wanted to be somewhere else, but I just didn't know how I didn't know, like, I didn't know the steps. I didn't know who do I email or how do I refine what I actually want to do? Again, I just had no idea. Like, should I start writing up? book or should I start like pitching to, you know, like blogs, like what should I do? And occasionally I would, occasionally I would send something out and it would get rejected at every time. (laughs) And so I just kind of thought like, I guess I'm not good at this. I guess I'll just write a book when I'm like 60, you know, I guess I'll just like get life experience. So I started thinking, okay, what do I really want to do? And I thought about all kinds of careers that in hindsight, makes sense for sort of what I was interested in. But if I were to tell you, I mean, it was such a hodgepodge. Um, But yeah, I just had a really hard time 
refining that. And it was, it took a couple more years before I was even in an office job that I liked. I worked at a boutique for a long time, which that was also great for my observation muscle. I moved to DC, which was a really hard city to be in my late twenties in and everyone around me had a baller career and like a salary. I'd never had a salary. You know, I'd had like $10 an hour Mm -hmm. jobs, but I'd never had a lot of these. I didn't, I didn't go to work in the morning like everyone else. And I would cringe when people asked me what I did. Um, I started saying I was a writer, but they'd ask like, what do you write? I'd say nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I can't hear you. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that was a really challenging place. And I think um, like place in life and city to be in. I think the good thing about DC is it really kicked my butt as far as like, Okay, I need, I, a career is important to me, right. so I need to figure that out. And especially if it doesn't look like someone else's, then I can have my own path. So that's kind of when I when I started thinking I need to get my act together. And then my father died, and mm-hmm. then I thought, okay, it's go time. Wow. Did you have a relationship with him? No. Okay. No. Mm. Um, we were estranged for six years before he died, which, you know, I think a lot about. Right. And I was I was really surprised by how hard it was for me to lose someone I was estranged from. You know, you sort of think, oh, I've already buried him in a lot of ways. And um, it was the first time I knew anyone who had died. And that, I think, in and of itself is a very... Yeah significant experience for a young person. I was 28 and uh, I, I, I just didn't know death. I didn't really know people died. You know, I, I didn't know that in a real way. And that was sort of traumatic. It was traumatic to have him die. And I was breaking up with someone at the same time and I was feeling a lot of loss and I couldn't pinpoint, you know, which was which. And that made me feel crazy. It was just a very, very low time. It was the first time I started having panic attacks and I just felt really lonely because I felt like nothing's been written about that. Like which story do I read to help me feel less alone or who do I talk to? And no one I knew had had a parent who died and, um, it just felt like such a foreign experience. And by this mm-hmm. time, I had a lot of friends. It's by now the most, the thing I'm most proud of is my friendships. And I had a really robust community, but no one could really support me. And I realized pretty early on in the grief uh, process, I'm going to have to get myself out of this. Mm-hmm. Like no one is going to rescue me. At the same time, the Hamilton soundtrack had just come out and I was an early, an early fan. And to me, that story is all about sort of personal gumption and bringing your own self out of. And I was really inspired by that in a very real way. Mm. And I, I kept thinking that was like the story that I clung to. And I thought, I am going to get myself out of this and I'm going to make better for myself. I'm going to make this story into something that's going to like make me a better person and transform me instead of being like held hostage by it. So that's when I thought, all right, I'm writing a book. (laughs) Like I'm just going to do it and it's going to be about me. Like I'm sick of trying to be whatever type of writer 
Like they don't want me. I'm doing this myself. Like I don't care. And at that point, I had experienced so much loss that I did not give a shit if it was published by Penguin or if I had to go down to FedEx and make copies and hand it to people on the street. I knew I wanted to write it. And for the next year, I devoted my entire being to writing it. And just I just felt like time was running out. I was so aware of my mortality. I was so aware that you could lose you know, anything, anytime. And so I was just writing all the time. And at the same time, that's when I started my Instagram account. And uh, for a lot of reasons, I started that. But I, uh, but I definitely thought it could help with the book writing. I thought if I maybe incorporate this into my book or maybe I can, you know, get sort of a platform um, somehow and then, you know, an agent will take me on or, you know, I had all these sort of strategies going and um, that was a very energetic time. It was a really hard time, but it was like pure, I would wake up and feel like I got to go, I got to write, I got to do all of the things. I've got to sign up for more classes. I was just like a kind of buzzing, like fireworks display of a person. I don't, I don't think I'll ever get back that energy. (laughs) It's very specific. I'm wondering, um, you said, earlier about, you know, getting really good at parenting yourself. And so when you lose a parent who wasn't around, what, what type of grief is that? And how do you, how do you come to terms with that? And I don't know if there's forgiveness involved. I don't know if there's, I don't know, like what was, what was that like? Cause I know you're not alone. I'm sure I know there are people out there that have experienced this, so I know it will help, but what was it like? Yeah. I I mean, I'm still figuring that out in a lot of ways and I probably always will be. I I remember the first big wave of grief was a feeling was just pure missing him, Mm -hmm. which again, really surprised me because I felt like, how can you miss someone who you haven't even talked to in years? But I felt like, you know, I'd have these, I'd be going to sleep and I'd have these childhood memories, really happy memories. He was a great dad when I was young. And, um, and I would think, wow, uh, you know, as an only child, no one will ever share this with me. Like I have this, these memories that he would have remembered. Mm. And now there's no one. Now I'm the only person who has this. That felt very lonely. Um, and then from there, um, the next wave was anger and confusion. And why, why couldn't he be a better parent? Why didn't some instinct kick in? Why am I the one who has to suffer now? And, you know, and, and I took it very personally, of course, you know, like, why would he, why couldn't he get it together for me? Was I not Mm. blah, blah, blah Mm -hmm. enough? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, there's this quote, I don't know who said it, but it's uh, grief is love with nowhere to go. And my experience was like grief was love and resentment and longing and heartache and all of this stuff with nowhere to go. So I felt like in a way, losing someone I was estranged from was as significant as losing someone I was really close to because there was it was that 
it was as intense of a feeling. I had all these intense feelings toward him. So now I think there certainly is forgiveness uh, of a component to the journey. And I don't really know what that feels like. I feel like I've done it, but I don't really know what forgiveness is supposed to feel like. So I'm not sure if, <laughs> I'm not sure, uh, if I got an A in that or not. Um, right now, it's a lot more of really feeling my self-worth and being able to reassure myself um, without needing to go back to him and now not needing that from a man. You know, that's been a really hard thing to mm. work through. And I looked to a lot of men to save me after he mm. died and to make me feel loved. And that obviously did not work. That will never work. And so right now the self-parenting is all about really knowing my worth in a, such a real way that the actions of men don't affect it. Wow. And that's a full-time job. Truly, truly. <laughs> wow. It's profound. Yeah, I do. The The depth to which you shared the, the dating and relationship things is like... I mean, just gets me every time. You oh, know? thanks. Truly, <laughs> it's much. just... No, it's just... It's so profound and... Uh, it's just so beautiful. So I do want to talk about dating and relationships and, you know, so after your father died, you're, you're in this space where you are dating men and having these experiences. Has it been hard in New York? Has it been hard as a creative? Has it been hard? Like, like what has that been like navigating as like such an emotionally complex and, you know, powerful person. Oh my gosh. Operating is like a human cotton ball who just like it all up. Like has no hard edges at all. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Um, you know, so I say with New York, I love the questions you just asked. You guys are so good at asking questions. I say dating is hard everywhere. It is hard yeah. to date. It is so hard. It's so hard to be with someone you don't know and have to be vulnerable enough to at least sort of like replicate intimacy and then also know that they could never talk to you again. I mean, it's, that's such an unnatural wow. way to relate to someone. Yeah, it's, it's not the way you would relate to anyone else. I mean, if you're out with a friend and you're talking about like, real stuff, even yeah. like about your feelings about work or whatever. And then you never hear from them or they say, <laughs> oh, I never want to see you again. That's painful. Totally. <laughs> and then you add to that trauma and baggage and personal insecurities. And it's a shit show. I mean, it, it, it astounds me that people get together. It really does. I mean, honestly. But I have had beautiful relationships since my dad died and before mm. and men have treated me very well and very badly. And I think that can happen in any city. I think maybe if there is an added layer of difficulty in New York, it might be the illusion of options, I guess, but I kind of think that's everywhere. So do I don't know, like I'm um, just feeling like you can always kind of do better. So oh, like yeah, I've, yeah, yeah. I've mm -hmm. gotten on a lot of great first dates mm -hmm. And then never heard from the person again. And my interpretation is we had a great time, but he's thinking, well, I can, you know, what's the step up from her? And of course, that's a story I'm writing. That's a story the city is writing. It's not, I don't know if that's real. As a creative person and as a like 
<laughs> raw, open, beating heart, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like a wound walking down the street. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do about that. Like, I, I feel I work a lot with my therapist about, you know, taking things very slowly and not projecting so much on someone you've just met and, um, you know, not being so dependent on their whims to, you know, feel good about myself. But how that, I mean, that sounds as crazy to me as like learning a foreign language tomorrow fluently. Like it's such a, um, unsurmountable concept to me. And, uh, I think, Sometimes when, like I I used to have uh, chronic physical pain and what I would do to soothe that is think about every part of my body that wasn't feeling pain and think, oh, my neck feels so good or like, oh, I love the way my forehead feels, stuff like that. And sometimes when I'm dating just as a means of self-protection because I am so, (laughs) a lot of emotional stuff. I really try to focus on the other parts of my life that are good. I always, when I'm newly dating someone, I try to like sign up for a volunteer shift or like make plans with friends just to like really cultivate the other yeah. parts yeah. and like cling to that instead of the thing I would love to do, which is canceling my entire year and like <laughs> dumping my wallet on this guy's head and like just giving him everything like uh, taking off all your clothes devote- dumping the wallet oh my gosh just, <laughs> yes, just like, yes this anything is me he wants yeah yeah so that's that's what I'm working on um it is it is a weird thing to think about sorry to interrupt yeah, yeah it just please. has to do with what you were saying like it is a weird thing to think about that like you have to kind of hold back on that part of you. That is so beautiful. Like you're so, I'm, I assume you are so giving and generous. I'm the same way in relationship in that. Like, yes, I want to like do all the things for you and, and just, yeah, sacrifice in a way that is healthy and loving and coming from a heart centered place. But in the beginning, we have to kind of like be this other thing. And it's, it's hard for me to, understand that and be okay with that sometimes. So I love, I love your suggestion of kind of reminding yourself, okay, I have, I have a million amazing friends or I have a few Mm -hmm. amazing friends that really like care about me. Let's, let's plan a dinner this week. Let's dive into this as well. So that the beginnings of the relationship don't feel as quote unquote desperate. I don't like that word, but don't feel as like focus where if I like look at it too much, it's going to just shatter and in million pieces, you know? So totally. yeah, I love totally. that suggestion because eventually like when you are in a relationship, you can fucking do all that stuff. You can cancel right. your week and say, like, sure. I want to spend it with you. Let's just right. be like, Oh my God, amazing. And it's right. not weird. It's not weird. Mm-hmm. Like but if you did that, days. like, you know, week one, you'd be like, Ugh, why? I don't yeah. know. But that's just kind of the dance we have to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm telling all of this to myself. Same, 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 same. I actually want to bring up some of my favorite of your illustrations and kind of dig into them. One that I really love is just really simple that it was the recent one. I can see much so much more clearly in the dark. And you have this beautiful like forest. And I love that that's just so profound because I feel like people are not 
in darkness or solitude enough and able to think very clearly for themselves without external stimulation or conversation or validation. So I'd love to hear like if you had an inspiration behind that, if you were meditating or what that was like before you drew that. Oh, I, well, I do that in the redwood. So I was literally in the dark. Um, <laughs> and I, I just remember thinking like, wow, in the literal dark, like I can see things about trees that I never see in the light. And I was thinking, you know, I'm, I, I'm a very melancholy person and I, I'm very joyful. I'm very, like, I, I live in a lot of color and light, but but I think I feel at home in melancholy. It's something that I know very well. It's a place where I'm, I feel safe. Like I've been here. I've, I've, you know, I know how to, I know how to be here. And I think like a lot of creative people, um, I feel very creative in it. Yeah. And so sometimes when I feel like the lights are dim in my, my emotional state, and I'm feeling like a little disappointed or um, rejected or a little heartbroken. Sometimes there are things about myself and things about the world that I can see so much more clearly than when I'm really happy. And I hate to like play into that sort of artist trope, but I think it's real. You know, like mm-hmm. when I'm heartbroken and I walk down the street, I feel like I can literally see people's pain. And I can't do that when I'm really happy. So of course you have to have both. I'm not like advocating yeah. for a life of ennui, but yeah, that was just a little thought about how a lot comes to the surface when you are in a in a dimmer space. I even noticed that with my ability to to write even silly things like mm. when I used to blog frequently mm. and I would and I even wrote a post about that when I would feel like I don't feel like I have anything to say when I'm happy Mm -hmm. and I don't feel Mm -hmm. like I have anything to contribute that's helpful when I'm happy or, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm in a, I've been in a healthy relationship for a while. And sometimes I feel a little excluded from a lot of, you know, conversations because there is so much conversation to be had when you are dating and when you are going through finding your person and all of those things. And I actually struggle with that, you know, being very happy and like, full and whole sometimes I feel like there's not much to say and there and there's not that like charge of like I need to get this out or I have this thought or feeling and I'm still working with that like what that means because I don't want that to be true you know and I I don't know if I'm I'm not allowing myself to express the joy and the good because I'm afraid I'll be judged I'm afraid I'll feel ashamed I'm afraid it'll go away and then I'll feel bad that you know Mm. it's just like there's a lot there but I completely relate to that I so, so feel that <laughs> yeah, mm. for sure, for sure. But, you know, we all have memories and uh, empathy is within our, you know, our emotional landscape, even when we're really happy. And but yeah, I, I totally get that. I feel that way about career sometimes. Mm. Yes. So, yeah, I, I, I relate to that for sure. There was one I loved on dealing with the less pleasant parts of living in a big city. And this was like an illustration, just series that you did. And the first one, when I'm irritated by a siren, I think about times when I've been in an ambulance or needed a fire truck and how grateful I was when they showed up quickly. I send a bit of love to the person who needs it. I also imagine the siren as the voice of a wild opera singer who has really gone rogue with her performance. (laughs) I love, I just love um, the shift in perspective in the moment because it can be so, I mean, even just these 10 days that we are here and we've lived here for many years before and LA is another beast, you know? So, but coming back, 
my nervous system's like, whoa, what is happening? And I love this shift in perspective on these little moments that could really get under our skin and irritate us. Like where, you know, was there a moment in time or in your life where you really had to shift your perspective or else you wouldn't be able to make it through? Mm. You know, like I just feel like that speaks to like the little moments and the big moments where you really can like make a choice. That's a great, very succinct way of saying that. Yeah, totally. I think there are so many times in our lives where you have to shift or you, that's survival. You know, you have to. And I'm not going to move away from New York because I don't like the sirens. I'm just not. Mm -hmm. Someone told me the other day I should move from New York because like dating is better. And it's like, no, I want to live here. Like, (laughs) like, how is that a a solution? Um, Move to Idaho. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And yeah, I mean, sirens are, I'm very sensitive. And my my biggest sensitivity is sound stuff. And Mm -hmm. um, I just like, cannot stand it. And I still can't stand it. Even after writing that, I try, but it's really hard. Um, But yeah, I think there's been so many times when I've been at a job, especially that, you know, anyone would say, well, you should just quit. I read this all the time on Instagram, like quit your shitty job, but sometimes you just can't. I mean, I don't know what kind of funding these people have, but I have not been able ever in my life to just quit. In fact, I was like forced to quit my last job so that I could write because I wanted to keep it. I wanted Mm -hmm. to like keep a steady paycheck and um, I literally didn't have time for it anymore. But yeah, in those moments, you absolutely have to think, okay, how am I going to survive this? And a lot of it, for me, comes down to play and creativity. Mm. So um, like imagining an opera singer, like anything that can make you laugh, I think is key to getting through something where you don't really have a choice. You have to stay there or you, you've you made the decision um, and thinking, hmm, how can I have a more playful or creative mm. experience? Right. Right. I love, I love that. that. I was, I've been thinking about that just being here, you know, when we are either on the subway or just walking around the streets and it's so busy. I'm like, this is a fascinating thing, you know, that all these people from all these different places are all here and they're on the move to do what they want to do. And, you know, even with the siren, it's like we've created this system, this social system to support people that are in need. And we all nod to the fact that we have to get out of the way, you know, to support them going to the hospital or whatever. So when you think about things from that perspective and from like the actuality of what's going on, you know, your credit cards like got stolen. It's like, we have this card that represents the money that we have. You know, it's just like thinking about things from like the awe perspective is like a really beautiful way mm, to put I it to. There's a, another one I talk about related to creativity, which you, which you t- touched on so beautifully. A relationship with one's creativity with one's work, calling, vocation, creativity can feel as up and down as a romantic relationship and require as much focus and attention to maintain and flourish. If you are feeling out of love with your work, might I suggest, and you suggested some really beautiful ways to help flourish your creativity, like travel, like being alone, all of these things. How do you flourish your own? Mm. Wow, that's so. I don't remember writing that one I at love, all. And I know it's it funny recent, when I was talking. I'm like, I wonder if she knows that I messed up the first part. <laughs> no, it's um, yeah. I I think I I've been in a, kind of having a dry spell the past few mm. months, and uh, I feel like that one was pretty recent. And um, 
I wrote those for myself. I mean, that's, mm, that's the yeah. thing that we, we sort of touched on earlier is I write all of this for myself. So it doesn't feel like I'm saying it to, <laughs> to a of lot course. of people. Um, it feels like I'm talking their notes to my own self. And, and that one, um, I think that was after a conversation I had with a friend who was talking about sort of the difference between like work and calling and you are going to have, you're going to have plenty of jobs you don't like, even in a career you really like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do a lot of jobs for money that I don't love. Um, I don't make money from Instagram, so I have to do it, you know, other ways. Yeah. And um, sometimes my work feels like I don't want to do it or I'm having kind of a weird relationship with it or I'm just not really like into it. I'm not inspired. I don't feel like coloring something today. I don't feel like taking out my paints. And and so I try to think of it in terms of calling instead and what is really my calling. My friend, Noor Tagore, you might be familiar with her, um, says that the, I don't know if she uses the word calling, but she said like your sort of purpose is the intersection of the gifts you bring to mm-hmm. the world and what breaks your heart or, you know, the suffering that you see. And to me, the number one thing that gets on my heart is loneliness, people's loneliness. And so I feel like, all right, I think my gifts are probably emotional intelligence and being able to write about that. How can I serve lonely people? And when I think about it in that overarching sense, like the higher purpose, instead of like, what do I have to do today? Or am Mm. I going to get something on Instagram today? that's certainly an easier place to work from. And I try to kind of communicate with my calling. I call her Helen and I say, Helen, can you like help me out a little bit? Cause I want to like serve you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that might not be through Instagram today. Maybe that's through a conversation. Like, you know, that can come in so many different ways. It doesn't have to be so dependent on the actual thing I'm doing now. But um, yeah, as far as what inspires me or helps me to kind of get out of that creative block when I'm there is looking for the higher purpose and then just always coming back to how do I feel exactly right now? You know, if I'm not inspired, write about being not inspired. That's going to help someone. So that's the, that's my little tool, but it's not, it's beautiful. It's really good for, you know, I think a lot of people that are creative are in a space because they see what you're doing and they probably think that you sit on your floor all day and are just like feeling and painting. And and, and it is so important that they know that a lot of it is really beautiful, but a lot of it is really mundane. Mm. You know, I think yeah. I definitely relate with that with us. People look at what we're doing, which is my dream. It's the greatest gift. And, not you know, 80% of it is beautiful, but there is parts where I, we're doing our taxes. We're having hard conversations. We're doing things that aren't fun and aren't glamorous. And I think that with every profession or whatever it is you're calling, that there is that piece of it, you know, that isn't always joyful. And the ebbs and flows of it is really important. And we actually had a conversation with Elisa Vitti on hormones and how your cycle, the women's cycle is actually also related to creativity. So there are pieces and periods in time in the month where you're more creative than others. And so being akin to that flow and letting it be what it is, not judging it, respecting Mm -hmm. it, knowing it'll come back. And I think that's something that, you know, I hope people are recognizing and shifting. It's not always going to be 100. It's going to ebb and flow just like we do. 
I love that. I love that. And yeah, if it is, if you do believe in sort of a mm-hmm. calling or a purpose, it's not going to fail you. You're, you might not feel inspired for a couple of weeks. That's totally normal. But yeah, I, and I love that idea of flow as well and not making it so rigid. I have a lot of people, you know, of course, not just for money, but just people who email me and say, can you make one about blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if they know how like creativity it works. works. Hilarious. Like, I can't just like, Oh yeah, I have something for that. Like, make no, one right? about my ex boyfriend John. You're like what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 total um, ebbs and flows, and and the thing that is cons- most consistent is the mundanity, is the emails and the and yeah. When you're working for yourself, I think people don't quite realize this too. You are making really big decisions for your I know, life. I was gonna ask, do you have like, yeah. do you have help? Do you have a team? Like, no, I don't have. Anyway, I just hired an assistant, which is a gift for myself. Um, But I mean, she's not like she works remotely. She's not like Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have like (laughs) meetings on the couch or anything (laughs) about my life and my purpose. I'm very um, fortunate to be very close with my literary agent. But, you know, she does my books. She doesn't do uh, the bulk of the rest of what I do. I have really good people in my life and I'm able to ask them for advice. But they don't know, you know, what it's, what exactly my job is. I don't even know what my job is. And so there are a lot of times when I have to be super reflective in order to make a decision and, um, you know, really assess what's important to me. And sometimes it's really hard to know. Yeah. Last question for me. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about, you were very open about your diagnosis with GBS. Mm-hmm. So I just love to know like how you're doing and oh, like the day to day, you know, I, I think just the word, even diagnosis of anything like makes someone feel a certain way. And mm-hmm. so how have you been able to, um, live with it and thrive with it? Cause you are thri- like, you're thriving. So Flirty, 33, flirty, thriving. Um, 33, flirty, and thriving. That's the next painting, everyone. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. Never heard it before. I've never heard of that. Not plagiarism at all. Um, Thank you for asking that. You know, it's a, so it's like a one-time disease. Mm -hmm. It's a kind of interesting Thing. Yeah, so I don't just, know much about it. So I'd love I mean, to. it's like a C-list disease. Like no one knows about it. It's like, <laughs> it's like, who is she? Doesn't get into um, the club. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Yep. But it's, uh, it's, it's like a sudden, it comes on very suddenly. Um, it's your immune system attacks your nerves and destroys part of them. And so, um, I was paralyzed for the better part of a month and then recovery, from that was uh, took a few months. And the weird thing about recovery is that you don't know when it's done. <laughs> so I just, um, what I, I just gave a TED talk about this and I've been writing about this for my next book. I think recovery is way harder than actually being sick because being sick, like being in the hospital, I knew, I kind of knew what the deal was. I knew right. I was in the hospital. I knew I couldn't move my legs or my hands. People knew how to support me in a very tangible way, but recovery from that, when I was learning how to walk again, I was learning how to kind of move again, Mm. um, which took a few months, that was much lonelier and much harder because I felt like I had to be 
better. Now I would say I'm fully recovered, but then there are other, there are times when I get really, really tired. And Mm -hmm. I think, is this 33 flirty and thriving or is this recovery from a very significant autoimmune disease? And then of course there's the emotional recovery, which um, haunts me all the time. The kind of the survivor's guilt is really big for me and the loss of trust in my body and the kind of, um, I feel like I went to a very dark place that not a lot of people see. And uh, I feel like a door was opened to me that I was able to keep closed for a long time. And now I know what's behind that. And that haunts me. Um, But like anything, I try to take those fears and give them back um, in a, in a more beautiful way. Uh, But yeah, it's, it was a, it was trauma (laughs) and I'm still really tired all the time Mm -hmm. and I got to figure that out. But Mm -hmm. yeah. Otherwise I think mostly recovered. I can't point my toes though. (laughs) It's annoying. (laughs) I do ballet. So it's like actually, it actually affects my life. Wow. Wow. (laughs) What are your signs? Do you know, like, what are your signs? My sun sign. And like moon. Libra, Libra, Leo. No way. Okay. Do you know, do you know your human design? Uh, that's the one with like a number. There's like an equation, that one's right? Enneagram. And then human design. I wonder if she, she's, she's like a reflector. I know. I was good. You I know. know. We'll, we'll get you tested. Okay. I'll <laughs> get right. you tested, Great. honey. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Just because it's like you're shown these experiences because you're able to like transmute them into like something that's so beautiful for humanity. Oh, you know, gosh. Mm-hmm. True. It's true. Sweet thing to say. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, mm-hmm. as my last question, I wanted to talk about, we were talking about next year and we were both kind of, um, agreeing to the sentiment that we want to really just be more discerning and we want to be more clear next year. And we want to have like, this year was the year of doing and next mm. year, how are you feeling? Like what, what do you have planned? How are you going to enact having boundaries and being more discerning? Mm. Mm. Asking selfishly. What do we do? What do we do? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's the first time I'm sitting on a couch in a year. So honestly. Help. Help. I'm not gonna move. Um, I love that question. I have all kinds of ideas. So I have been super introspective the past couple years. And and this year was introspective career-wise. I've been trying a lot of things, been speaking in a lot of different um situations, led a couple of retreats and, um, tried kind of everything. And now I'm a lot more sure, at least I'm not sure about my direction, but I'm sure about what I like and what I don't, which is so valuable. So there's that. So I'm coming in with a bit more clarity. Um, my word for the year is energy, just doing things with more energy, Mm. you know, making the more energetic decision. And that means a lot of things for me recently. I, I now have Instagram off my phone. I have someone who does it for me. Wow. And and that was a boundary that people are like, shocked by in my circle, like people, you know, they're like, well, what if you get a DM or what if you get a comment you want to, you know, and it's like, well, artists have been living without Instagram for a long time. I'm and sure your DMs are <laughs> but it got kind, kind and full. Oh, kind that's of, <laughs> like kind because they're full of heartfelt sentiments and full. There's, I bet there's a lot. Yeah. 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 
totally. I mean, I'm so grateful for the feedback, but it's not, unless we're like sitting on a couch, it doesn't, it means, it means so much to me that someone would take the time to write to me, but I know that it's a lot of projection and I don't know if I really need to take projection seriously either way. You know, if I'm going to take the bad stuff, if I'm going to say the bad stuff doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't have anything to do with me. I can't really take the good stuff seriously. Wow. Wow. And so it's kind of, it's better that I don't know. And I have, I have an assistant who does it and she'll send me screenshots of things I might want to know. And I'm really grateful for that. It's working really well. Um, Mm. But yeah, it just, that began to feel just overwhelming for me. And I thought, I don't have to do this. Uh, So I've been looking at a lot of things like that. Like, I don't have to write back to this person and I don't have to make art every single day. That's something that was important to me for a while. And now it's not. Um, I don't have to speak at this thing just because... I'm worried I'll never get paid to do something ever again. You know, like yeah. I'm, I think I'm kind of trusting a bit more. And so where the energy comes in is that everything that I do, I want to do with full energy and presence. Mm. And so that certainly helps the decision-making process. And then as far as like, I'm kind of done thinking about myself for a while. I want to be way more like external. So I'm going to go to Argentina for a month next year to learn Spanish and I'm not going to do any social media at all. And I'm just going to like do a practical thing that I need to learn how to do. I need to learn how to speak Spanish. So we just want to like, you know, I'm, I did so much this year of like tarot and every healer imaginable and astrology and Enneagram and like everything to learn about myself. And now it's like, okay, I just want to go into the world and do yeah. stuff with energy. So that's kind of the vibe I'm bringing into next year. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah. We truly. need to get all your healers. True. Oh my gosh. Let's have, do a healer I mean, like yeah. swap. Oh, a healer swap. <laughs> I'm honestly, I got you. <laughs> I really, when people look at my list of everything I've done, they're just like horrified Love slash no, I'm amazed that You're I have safe I'm like oh Monday <laughs> I know <laughs> totally. in LA it's like right. we're on it <laughs> yeah definitely uh, oh this is so nice thank so you nice. This is so lovely with you. you guys are been so for so long yeah. and I've been so inspired and just picked up by by your words and art for a long time and I know our community feels the same so yeah, thank projected you projected a lot on your work <laughs> I've really done a lot Likewise. of projecting on your work <laughs> It's like every DMs from me. I'm like, <laughs> um, where can our lovely listeners connect with you? Let's tell them about the book as well oh, and your sure. workbook, yeah, everything yeah. you have. Um, so I'm on Instagram at by Mari Andrew. Uh, I wrote a book came out last year called Am I There Yet? Um, which is about my 20s. I'm writing a book now that won't be out for a very long time, but <laughs> I'm we'll really excited about it. So yeah, I'll come back. Awesome. So, so good. Thank you for being here. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye guys. We'll right, see you bye, soon. Everyone. <laughs> Thanks so much, Mari. You can find more from Mari at by Mari Andrew on Instagram, 
by MariAndrew.com. Her book, Am I There Yet? is everywhere books are sold. Highly recommend. Thanks again. We loved hanging with you. And we have a new review from our community and we're just always so grateful when you take the time to write a review. They're always so thoughtful, no matter how long or short. We appreciate it and it really helps us to spread the word about the show, bring on guests that you love. And yeah, I just... We're, we're so grateful. Love the message and support five stars. Every show I listen to, I feel joy and challenged all at once. Once Joy because of the support I feel listening, but also being a part of the community and challenged to become a stronger woman because of the different perspectives. Shout out to my favorite episodes, 96, 97, and 272 for the newbies, or if you need some great ones to listen to. That's by Katie. Thank you. Thank you, sweet one. That oh. means so much. That's the goal. That's the goal, baby. It's a fucking goal. Yeah. And when you guys, you know, uh, just when you guys write reviews, even just giving us five stars really means a lot. You know, Lindsay and I want to do this all for you. And like Lindsay says, in collaboration with you. So a little, a little love goes a long way. And we'll see you at your podcast pro on yeah. tour. Mm-hmm. Almost30podcast.com for updates. We added just new, we just added new wallpapers to the shop. Mm-hmm. So if you want beautiful on your phone wallpapers, they don't, they aren't like almost 30 name logo. They're just beautiful from artists that we appreciate and love. This one's from Sage Glow Studio. So you can get those wallpapers at almost30podcast.com. Slop shop almost30podcast.com. Yeah. Thanks for listening. You're a joy and a pleasure to serve every day. And we love you. We'll see you soon. We love you. Goodbye. Bye.